There's something really remarkable about seeing transformation happen around us. And uh, especially when we think about nature, there's something incredible when we see things transform. So if you think about a tree that grows from a little tiny sapling into this huge big tree that's got a trunk and branches and leaves and provides shade, or uh, whether you grow vegetables or fruit, then the transformation that happens as the plant grows and then produces vegetables or fruit, or whether that's just as simple as flowers blooming and coming out. That's something that's really, really amazing. One of the most dramatic transformations that we know happens around the place is a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. It's really, really staggering to see that process happen. And uh, so Ali, at her new work at uh, the Early Learning Centre at Emmaus College, uh, this week they got some caterpillars in. And so someone brought in these caterpillars and so they're really excited to be able to see the transformation from a caterpillar to a chrysalis into a butterfly. But Ali was very, very disappointed this week because she went in there with these caterpillars and uh, went to work Tuesday and Wednesday and discovered that one of them had already transformed and so she'd missed that and so she's eagerly watching it throughout her shift hoping that the transformation was going to happen didn't happen went back the next day transformation already happened so she missed out on that and there's something that in us that yearns to see that level of transformation happen to see things turn from one thing into another especially when it's aligned with what we're created to be We've been doing this series throughout this month where we've been talking about the core of who we are as a church. And so the last couple of weeks we've talked about what it means for us to be Jesus-centred and for us to be spiritual family. And so if you haven't been around the last couple of weeks, I encourage you to make sure you have a listen to those on our website, Facebook page, on our podcast, because it really does set up what we're focused on this year and is a great reminder about who we are as a church and the reason that we're here. And today we're going to wrap that series up by talking about the last important statement to us, which is this idea of seeing lives changed. And we really believe that if we pursue being a church that is focused on being Jesus-centred, that if we put Jesus at the centre of who we are, that if we learn from Jesus, look at Jesus and say Jesus is the one who shows us what God is like and what life is all about, if we choose to centre our church life around Jesus... And then we create an environment that is spiritual family, which we talked about last week, being things like a place where we can be authentic, where we're accepted, where we're encouraged, and where we're supported. That if we create an environment like that, where people are centering themselves on Jesus, then life transformation is the inevitable result of that. And the wording that we've used is very, very intentional. We don't say that we're a Jesus-centered spiritual family who are changing lives, We recognise that God is the one who does the transformation in us. And so we very intentionally said that we're a Jesus-centred spiritual family who are seeing lives changed. That we have the privilege of watching the transformation that God's doing in us and through us. There's a really important caveat for us to put in place here. Because sometimes when we think about the idea of life change and transformation and growing, we can fall into the trap of thinking that if we do those things, then God will somehow like us more. And so we need to say, as we begin this message today, it's really important to recognise that God loves us 100% as we are right now. With all of our baggage, with all of our brokenness, with all the junk that we've got in our lives, God loves us passionately right now as the people that we are. That is a 100% true statement. But it's always also been put this way, that God loves us as we are, but God loves us too much to leave us where we are. That God also wants us to grow and to develop into the people that he created us to be. 
that God has this sense of who we were designed to be, the true version of who's inside of us, and God wants us to become who that person is. And the best way of thinking about this is to think about a tiny little baby. And when babies are born, there is an unbelievable amount of love for a baby. So parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, everyone, family, friends, gather around, and you just think, how could anyone love this baby any more than what it's loved in this moment when it first arrives? But we know that as babies turn into kids and then as they grow up and their personality starts to develop and they start to discover who they are and how they're wired, that actually our love for them continues to grow, which is really, really staggering when you think about it. When they first arrive, you think, I couldn't love this baby any more than it is. And yet somehow we manage to. It's really, really extraordinary. It's the same in marriages, in relationships. When we first get married to someone, we think, I couldn't possibly love this person any more than I do right now. And yet, in a healthy marriage, as it continues to grow over years, and for some of you, over decades and decades, it's amazing to be able to see that that love actually does grow and change as you get to know the other person and as your marriage and you as individuals continue to grow and change. When we talk about life change and transformation, that's what we're recognising, is that God loves us 100% as we are right now. As one of the songs that we sing says, there's nothing that we can do that can make God love us any more than how much he loves us in this moment. And yet, God wants us to continue to grow and change, and somehow in that, God's love for us continues to expand and change in radical ways. But what's important to recognise is that God doesn't like us anymore if we change and God doesn't like us any less if we don't change. God doesn't give us extra favour in our lives or extra blessings in our lives if we do the things that he asks us to do and take things away. That's not what God is like. God loves us passionately as we are right now but wants us to grow into the best version of who we are. So we're going to continue to unpack that as we go through today's message. But as we talk about this idea of seeing lives change, it's not just about us personally. It's also about the idea of seeing lives change in the community around us. That We believe that God places churches in particular places so that the community, the neighbourhoods around us can be transformed and can be impacted. There's a really helpful question that uh, someone came up with years and years ago. It says, if we as a church were to close our doors tonight, would anyone notice that we're not here anymore? It's a really great question to wrestle with, to say, if we just stopped as a church being here, would anyone in the community even care? It's a good challenge for us to think about the impact that we are or aren't having. But it's also a good question for us to wrestle with too, to say in the relationships that we have in our workplaces, in our streets, in our friendship circles in the places that we hang out, if we stopped being a part of those circles, would anyone notice? Would they say, actually, there's something missing because you're not here anymore? God is passionate about us bringing transformation into all the different places that we go, collectively as a church, but individually as well. And so the passage that we're looking at today helps us to unpack that a little bit more. So this comes as a part of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew chapters 5, 6 and 7 are called the Sermon on the Mount. It's uh, this message that Jesus gave to a whole bunch of people that is really the essence and the core of Jesus' teaching. 
And uh, so if you're ever kind of a bit stuck, I don't know what to read, I'm not sure where to go, just go back to Matthew 5 and start reading from there and I promise you there'll be something for you. So I have said often that honestly, if I just focused on those three chapters and just read them over and over again in my life, that would be more than enough because there's so much contained in these three chapters that challenges us about what it means to follow Jesus, that it's really amazing. Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount with a set of statements which are called the Beatitudes, this set of statements that remind us about what it means to live a blessed life or to live life the way that God created us to live. And if you haven't read those in a while, I encourage you to go back and have a read of those. And if they're very familiar to you, I'd encourage you to go and read those in the message translation because it really helps them to come alive. But Jesus gives us this very upside-down set of statements that far from thinking what we often think the blessed life is all about, Jesus introduces a whole bunch of concepts that are upside-down from what we're expecting. So that's verses 1 to 12. And then Jesus says these statements that we're looking at today, which is effectively to say, if you live this out, if you live this sort of life that's centred on me, then this is what you should expect the results should be. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, says, You are like salt for the whole human race. But if salt loses its saltiness, there's no way to make it salty again. It's become worthless, so it's thrown out and people trample on it. Now, salt in Jesus' culture was this incredibly valuable commodity. It was a vitally important part of Jesus' culture. The Romans of Jesus, they actually had a statement. There's nothing more useful than sun and salt. There is nothing more useful than sun and salt. It was held up as a really, really important thing. It was the way that Roman soldiers were often paid in salt. And so we get the origins of our word salary from the idea of being paid in salt. And you've probably also heard the statement that someone is worth their salt. That's where this whole concept comes from, is that salt was a really valuable thing that was used to pay people. So it's not just a garnish like it is for us. It's something that was incredibly important in Jesus' day. And the reason that it was important is because it did two really important roles. First one was that it helped to preserve things. So obviously in Jesus' day, they didn't have fridges and freezers like we do. And so salt was used as a preservative as a way of being able to keep things fresh, to be able to keep things the way that they are supposed to be. So that was a really important function of salt. But also, as it is for us, it was a way of bringing out flavour. And so we recognise that when we put salt on something, it's amazing because it doesn't actually taste salty unless you put too much on it. But when salt is used the right way and appropriately, it actually brings out the flavour of whatever it is that you're cooking. So if you're cooking a nice juicy piece of steak, then the salt is helping to bring out the flavour of the steak. If you're cooking some delicious vegetables, some yummy roast vegetables, put some salt on it, it brings out the flavours of the vegetables. Just make sure we cater for both those who are meat and vegetarians. So just everyone's covered there. But when salt's doing its job properly, it brings out the flavour that's there. It doesn't make everything taste like salt. It actually helps everything else to come alive. But then Jesus says that if salt loses its saltiness, if it stops performing those functions, then it's basically useless. And so in Jesus' day, what they would do with salt that wasn't able to preserve anything anymore or wasn't able to bring out the flavour is that they would literally throw it out on the road and it would become gravel. And so when Jesus talks about it being trampled underfoot, that's what he means, is that it would just be thrown out there to form a part of the road that was around them. So how does this all apply to us? What's salt got to do with us? I'm glad that you asked. So the first part of what Jesus is saying here is, are we people who add value? If salt is this valuable commodity, are we people who are adding value? 
in the different circles that we walk and in the different places where we are, as we think about our friendships, as we think about the street that we live on, as we think about the workplace that we're in, as we think about the school that we're at, the uni that we're at, as we think about all of the different relationships that we've got, are we people who add value into those relationships? Do people see us as people who have something to offer? That as they process through life, as they process through decisions and make choices and as they think about what's important, do they feel like we're people who can add value into that? And in particular, looking at these two things that Jesus says, are we people who are keeping things fresh? Are we people who are helping others to understand the original message of Jesus? Or has Jesus' message kind of gone a bit off or got a little bit stale and it's not that pleasant anymore? Are we people who are helping to bring alive what Jesus' message was supposed to be, preserving it the way that it's supposed to be, focusing on those key elements of Jesus' message? Love for God, love for other people, a sense of peace in our relationships, a sense of peace in what we experience in life, a sense of joy. Are we preserving the original message of Jesus in the relationships that we've got? But also, are we people who are bringing out the flavours around us? And the message translation actually talks about that in this verse. It says that we're here to bring out the God flavours in the world around us, which is a beautiful way of thinking about what it means to be people who are being salt. Are we people who bring out the best in other people? Are we people who help others to flourish? Are we people who call out the good things that are happening in other people's lives? Or are we people who are just kind of drawing attention to ourselves all the time? Are we aware that God is already at work all around us every single day of our lives? That it's not our responsibility to bring God into all of these different circles that we go, but to recognise that God is already at work. And so how do we bring out the God flavours and help people to recognise God's at work in your life? Have you noticed? Have you seen that this is what's going on there? And in the culture around us as well, that God's at work through music, through movies, through books, through the relationships that we have. We don't have to bring the flavour with us. God's at work. Our role as people who are being salt is to help to bring that flavour to the surface and to draw attention to what it is that God's up to in the people around us. Jesus then talks about this metaphor of light. So in verses 14 and 15, he says, You're like light for the whole world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. Instead, it's put on the lampstand where it gives light for everyone in the house. So it's interesting that Jesus starts very wide. He says that we're to be a light for the whole world. But then he talks about us being a light for a city and in our neighbourhoods and in a house on our street. So there's this sense of us having a big impact but also having a local impact. Both of those things are a part of what we're called to be. And this is a really great reminder that there shouldn't be anything private about our faith. And for some of that, that can be a little bit challenging, especially in our culture today. We can be careful. We don't want to offend other people. We don't want to step on other people's toes. But last year was that something, and someone said this very, very helpful clarification about what that looks like, that our faith is supposed to be personal, but it's not supposed to be private. Our faith is supposed to be personal, but it's not supposed to be private. So what that means is that our, our faith, our trust in Jesus, is about us. And we shouldn't go around trying to impose that on other people. That's true. But it shouldn't be something that's private, that's hidden away under a bowl in our lives that no one gets to see. 
Our faith should be something that shines out of us so that other people can see it. And so Jesus helps us to understand this concept of what light looks like. And in particular, he talks about the idea of if you put a light out, then it gives light to the whole house. It's important to recognise what houses look like in Jesus' day, and so we've got a picture of that. And uh, so well ahead of the curve were the people in Jesus' day, very focused on open plan living, and so much, much ahead of where we get to. Uh, but there will be a downstairs area, which would be kind of the living area and also where you would keep some of your animals And then an upstairs area where you would eat and where you would sleep. And so you can see that in a picture like that, if you put a light up somewhere, it does give light to the whole house. It's not like us where we kind of have lots and lots of rooms and so if you put a light on in one part, it doesn't necessarily affect the rest. When Jesus says when you put a light up, it gives light to everyone, that's what he's talking about. So it's a helpful image for us to keep in mind. And when we think about the idea of bringing light, we recognise that light helps us to see things clearly that light helps us to be able to see things accurately, to see what is actually there in front of us. Light also automatically removes the darkness. As soon as you switch a light on, the darkness goes away. Those two things cannot coexist. Light also helps us to see things that we might trip over. So when we turn a light on, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I better make sure I don't trip over that. That's really, really helpful. And so as people who are bringing light, that's what our responsibility is as well, to help people to see things accurately, to help people to see things the way that they are. And again, as we get back to the origins of Jesus' message, to help people understand what Jesus did come to do, what Jesus is all about, to help people understand if you want to know what God is like, then look at Jesus. But as light bearers, we're also people who push back the darkness just by our very presence. It's not something where we have to fight against that. We just automatically, if we have light in us, push back the darkness. And so are we light bearers in the conversations that we have, in the relationships that we have, in the different spaces that we go into? Are we helping people to see things that they might trip over to be able to say, or just have you thought about where that might lead you? Have you thought about the implications of that? Have you thought about where those choices are going to take you? Helping people to say, oh, that's a good point. I should really think about that and go this way instead. As light bearers, that's our responsibility. And again, when Jesus talks about this, he's not saying that we should be people who draw attention to ourselves. Ooh, look at that amazing light. No, we should be people who help others to see things clearly. And again, the message translation says that we should be people who bring out the God colours in the world. So two very helpful ideas. We bring out the God flavours and we bring out the God colours. That when you turn a light on, it helps you to see how beautiful everything is. If you go into a museum or you go into an art museum, they have lights on each of the paintings or on each of the displays to be able to see things clearly as they're supposed to be, to bring all the colours out. And so as light bearers, it's not about us saying, look at us like a moth to a flame but rather to be able to be people who are helping others to see what's happening around us. And so in both of these pictures, as we think about being salt and light, it is very much about us giving ourselves away. That as salt, we give ourselves away. We're not there to dominate, although some people would say that some Christians are a little too salty, but that's another conversation we can have another time. But we're not there to dominate. We're there to bring out the God flavours that are already there. We're not there to be this bright light that kind of blinds everyone, but to be a light that helps other people to see the God colours and what's already going on. 
Jesus sums that up in verse 16 by saying, In the same way, your light must shine before people so that they will see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. And so again, it's not about us doing these things to draw attention to ourselves. Yes, we're people who want to focus on doing good things for other people. That's part of us being salt and light. But we don't do those things so that people say, wow, what an amazing group of people. We do those things so that people will say, wow, what an amazing God. That's our focus. Again, to give ourselves away so that people can see what God is up to and praise him and focus on him. So as we wrap up our message today, I'm going to use the same question that we've used throughout this series to say, well, what's our next step as we think about this? And so over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the idea of uh, our next step in our walk with Jesus, our next step in helping us to be spiritual family. So today, what's our next step in seeing lives change? And we have a few different options to explore in that. For some of us, as we think about this idea of seeing lives change, it is very much about our personal transformation in our lives. And we might be at very different places on the spectrum of that. So for some of us, the challenge is to say, I need to understand that God loves me as I am. And that part of my theology, part of my understanding about God, is if I do all these things, then God is going to like me more. And so we need to take some time to challenge ourselves to say, nope, as we think about this idea of transformation, we're not saying we do these things so that God will love us more. God loves us 100% right now, as we are. So for some of us, as we think about this idea of transformation, that's our starting point. We need to wrestle with that a little bit more. For others of us, though, we are in a place where we recognise that and that that gives us freedom and it reminds us that God does want us to grow into the people that he wants us to be. And so we might want to set some clear goals about what does it look like this year for me to grow into that person that God wants me to be, to see my life change, to see that transformation happen. And so for some of us, it may be related to what we've talked about the last couple of weeks, something about being Jesus-centred, something about uh, being spiritual family. But for others of us, it is about this idea of allowing more transformation to happen and say, by the middle of the year, where do I sense that God wants me to be? By the end of this year, where do I sense that God wants me to be? And what are some key things that I can put into practice to be able to help me to get from where I am now to where God wants me? What are some barriers that I know are going to get in the way of me being able to move forward in those next steps and how do I remove those things? So we have one final health check. So if I can get my little helpers to come. Thank you. Yes, that means you, Zara. <laughs> Thank you. So we've had these last couple of weeks, an opportunity for us to read some statements, to reflect on where we're at in these things, and to be able to then take some time to think about the questions that are on the back and to say, what are my next steps in this? What might God be challenging me about? And so I do want to encourage you to have a look at this, to have a bit of a think about it. As I've said the last few weeks, it's not a test. It's not something you have to hand up. It's not something anyone's going to check up on you about. And it's not designed to be something, again, that makes you feel guilty about all of the things that aren't right. That's not the purpose of this. It's to be able to just say, oh, here's some areas I might not have thought about where God could be challenging me about continuing to grow and transform in my life. And so I want to encourage you to take some time to be able to do that as well. So for some of us, as we think about this idea of seeing lives change and we think about this year, our next steps may be a very personal thing, which is absolutely fine. That's great. We should all be excited and pursuing the transformation that God has got for us. I hope 
that you're excited this year about becoming more Jesus-centred and about what it means to be a part of a healthy spiritual family and the growth that might then come in your life. I know for me, I don't want to be in the same place in July that I am right now. I hope that God has continued to challenge me and change me and help me to grow into the person that he has created me to be. But for some of us, we might want to think about our church and the wider opportunity that we've got to be a part of the transformation that God's doing through us as a spiritual family together. To think about where can we be salt and light together as a church community. So last week we talked about some opportunities to be involved in what we're doing here at Brooklyn Park. And so if you would like to get involved in helping us with the things that we do here, there's still plenty of opportunities to be able to do that. But today I want to focus specifically on the things that we do as a church family that look out And so there are a number of different things that we do throughout the week which are intentionally focused on connecting with the community around us. So on Tuesdays we have our playgroup which goes from 9.30 until 11.30 and so we have lots of families from the community who come along, spend some time together, hanging out, doing some free play, some craft activities, having a snack, a story, some songs and having a great time together. And so that's a great opportunity to be able to come and just get to know some of these families that come here on a weekly basis to hang out with us. We want to be able to say, how can we be a part of being salt and light to those families that come here week in and week out? We have our men's shed, which is just over there, uh, from 10 till 2 on Tuesdays and Fridays. And so this is a space where guys get together and one amazing woman named Stella, who comes regularly as well, who come together to work on woodworking projects and have a really great time. And they do some projects that make a difference in the community, but for them it is also about having a space where they can be themselves, where they can be real and authentic, where they know they're accepted, where they're encouraged, where they're supported. Sound familiar? Spiritual family. That's what the men's shed is like as well. But are we as a church helping them to experience what that looks like in the truest version of what it is? How do we connect with them and serve them? Tuesday mornings, we also have our food distribution at 10 o'clock. And so we have a number of people from the community, especially some people from the flats over here, uh, who come here who are just looking for a bit of extra assistance. But a number of those people also come to be able to have some conversations. Some of them are very lonely and some of them are really struggling. And so most weeks I end up finding myself in a conversation with someone who might be processing through some things. And sometimes there's an opportunity to be able to provide some ideas in that. But other times it's just saying that must be really hard. It must be really challenging. I'll be praying for you as you go through that. And for some people it is as simple as just having someone who can listen to them because they don't see very many people. So there's opportunities on Tuesdays to be able to come and serve there as well. Shout for Joy, we mentioned last week, had started up the week before, and so on a monthly basis, this is a great opportunity to serve people with special needs. We have 50 or 60 people from the community who come here on a Tuesday night at 7.30, second Tuesday of the month, to be able to sing some songs about how awesome Jesus is and to be able to be reminded about some element of what it means to follow Jesus and then to have a time of praying together. That's absolutely beautiful. And so it's a great chance to be able to come. There are some things that you can do to help serve behind the scenes if you're interested in that. But it's also just about coming and being a part of the joyful experience that is Shout for Joy. And so if you're interested in coming along to that, you can come along anytime, second Sunday, uh, second Tuesday. I can't believe I did that again. (laughs) Second Tuesday of the month. 
The other uh, element that we've got is sparkling diamonds. So we have this amazing netball club that is attached to our church family where we have all of these families from the community that come and see this as their home base. And we've got a great opportunity to build relationships with them and to be able to serve them and meet them where they're at. And so that's something that as we head into this year, we want to explore as well to say, what are the opportunities for us to build connections and to be able to say in a tangible way, how do we serve these families that come here on a regular basis? So if you're interested in getting involved in any of those, and I want to make it clear, you don't have to come to all of them all of the time. If you come every second time or every third time or every fourth time, it's totally fine. But if you're interested in being involved in any of those, then come and have a chat. I'd love to talk to you a bit more and then direct you to the people uh, who are in charge of each of those different areas. And as we head through the rest of this year, we'll be continuing to explore that. It's a big question that we're wrestling with as a board to say what are the opportunities that God's giving us to engage with the community around us? How do we help the people around us to discover that there is this Jesus-centred spiritual family that's here to serve you and to be a part of the transformation that God wants to do around us? Lastly, I want to mention on this that there are also a number of other ways that we do make a big difference in the world around us, uh, particularly as we give financially. And so uh, at Easter time, we'll be doing a Global Mission Partners offering where we give to the work that they do in training and resourcing pastors and planning churches in the developing world. At Christmas, we give to the Global Mission Partners Cocoa offering, Churches of Christ Overseas Aid to help with projects for people in the developing world. Uh, we are partners with this amazing a group called KCV, the Kalishli Children's Village in Zimbabwe, where we sponsor a couple of kids. And the Children's Village is there for kids who have been abandoned or orphaned. And they come together and form a sense of family together. They learn together, they do their schooling, but also learn life skills that set them up for the rest of their lives. And so we as a church family support them, support two kids who are there. And so there's a big tin that's at the back of the chapel on the table there, uh, which some of you probably aren't aware. That anytime you've got some spare change, you can just drop some in there. And that helps us to be able to sponsor these kids that we sponsor. And so if at any time you have some change, you can just drop that on the way up. And that's a really great way of supporting that. But there are also others who support individual kids. And so on our notice board out in the foyer, we've got pictures of all of those kids that we support to together as a church family. We do Safe Water September each year, which is an opportunity for us to provide clean drinking water to people, uh, particularly in the last couple of years in Zimbabwe and then last year in Vanuatu. So that is something where we're helping people's lives change. And then in April, we'll be doing our Bible Society offering, uh, which is where we encourage you to bring along your very loose change, so particularly your five-cent pieces. So between now and then, keep all of your five-cent pieces somewhere. Then bring them along on the first Sunday of April, and we give that money to the Bible Society to be able to provide Bibles for kids who don't necessarily have access to Bibles. So that's a lot. That's over and above what we do just with our general offering and all the impact that that has. We're very generous in what we do, and all of that is a part of this life transformation that we see happening around us. And so as we go through this year, keep your ears up and your radar on for those different opportunities to give in to those things too. Lastly, in terms of another opportunity to take some next steps, for some of us it could be about thinking about where we live and thinking about the street that we live on and the people who are around us. Or it could be thinking about our extended family. Or it could be about thinking about our workplace or the relationships that we have at school or at uni. But being able to recognise that all of us have the opportunity to be salt and light where we are on a regular basis. 
And so next week, we're going to start a series. It's going to take us all the way through to Easter, which is called Love Your Neighbour. And we're going to be unpacking more about what that looks like. What does it mean for us to be people who love the people around us and in practical ways engage with the people around us in all sorts of different ways? So that might be something that you want to start thinking about. What are the relationships I've got with my neighbours and how do I continue to see them grow and develop? As we wrap up the message, I hope that you've got something to be able to take away from that to think more about as we head into this week. But I want to finish with one of the key statements I said earlier. That right now, as you sit here, you are loved. 100% as you are. The God of the universe loves you passionately. And that's something that we know is true because of what we're about to recognise, remember and celebrate together. Communion. This is how much God loves us. We know that that's a given fact. It's absolutely true that as you sit there right now, you are loved passionately by the God of the universe. But God also probably and rather than but. And (laughs) the God of the universe wants you to continue to discover the person that he created you to be. That for all of us, there is someone that's already inside of us. It's not changing into someone that we're not. It's allowing the fullest version of who we are to come out. The same as a tree that grows, the same as vegetables that bear fruit, the same as fruit trees that bear fruit, the same as a caterpillar morphs into a butterfly. That's what they're created to do. And we're created to be the people that God wants us to be. So my prayer for us as we head into this year is that we can be excited about what's in front of us, fully confident in the reality that God loves us, but excited about the journey that God's got each one of us on as we take our next steps through this year. So let's pray. God, we do thank you for this amazing mystery that you love us as we are and yet you love us too much to leave us as we are. We thank you that both of those statements are true that you do love us, that there's nothing that we have to do to try and earn your love, to earn your favour, to earn what you've got for us, to earn a place in your family. All of that's been given to us and was a part of your original design in creation. We thank you. That's so amazing for us to recognise how much you love us. But we also thank you that you can see the best version of who we are inside of us and that you can see that now. That it's not about us trying to become something that we're not. It's not about us just trying harder. It's not about us saying we've got to beat ourselves up because we're not good enough. It's about us recognising that you want us to continue to grow and to develop into the people that you want us to be. Because as that happens, we discover more about who you are. We discover more about your amazing love for us. We discover more about the opportunity that you give us to be people who can make a difference in this world. Thank you that you call us to be people who bring out your flavours and your colours in all the different places that we go. That as we head into this week, the opportunities that we have to connect with the people on our street, the people that we're friends with, the people in our workplace, our school, our uni, the interactions that we have with people throughout this week, we have an opportunity to be salt and light. And as we move through this year, we pray that you would give us more and more opportunities so that we can help to see the transformation in the neighbourhoods and the community around us happen that we know you're equally as passionate about. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.